Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. What's up and welcome to another EST. My name is Josh King. I'm one of the co-hosts here on the podcast. So excited that you are joining the show today. Micah and Sam are out. I've got a good friend of all of ours named John Musica. John and I have been friends, I don't know, uh, for quite a while and um, a great resource for my ministry here. I have suggested him to a number of other folks as well and they've used him and his services and stuff and I'll let him tell a little bit about what he does but before I do I want to encourage you and your team to consider coming to the EST conference in Dallas Texas October 4th uh, you can find out all the information register yourself register your team we hope to see your team there as well at estconf.com we'll get more into the details about that in a little bit later on in the show um, but before we do John how are you today I'm good, Josh. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. It's rainy in my part of Dallas. Is it rainy in your part as well? It is, and it's not 106 degrees, so we'll take that cool front that's bringing us down to, oh, about 90 degrees. We'll take that. 90? Is that what it was last time? I, I didn't look at it, but it, does, it doesn't hurt to go outside, so, you yeah, know, that's fine. It did. Last week, it literally hurt to walk right. outside. That's, that's a perfect word for it. It just didn't... It just didn't feel right. And, it's 75 uh, right now. That's why it feels good outside. Wow. Se- yeah. You're right. It's, well, the high today I saw was going to be 90, but, hey, I will take 75 degrees. Um, but I'm sitting indoors, so that's why I was off by 15 degrees. I am as well. I'll probably <laughs> go outside a little later. So you, um, your, your organization, your company is called Service Realty, mm-hmm. and you primarily work with church real, real estate, but mm-hmm. you also are very helpful in conversations about facilities one of the things that i talked to a number of pastors about is their use of their facilities most pastors you know they're all about the theology maybe the bylaws maybe the way that they do things but definitely the theology the preaching some outreach evangelism very few of them think through the concept of the facilities Mm -hmm. and how to leverage those for ministry i know a number of people have gotten themselves in trouble going to churches or taking the pastorate of churches without considering the facilities at all, the location, um, the deferred maintenance, those sort of things. So uh, we had Tim Cool on the show, as you know, a few episodes ago. He primarily deals in the area of um, utilities, facility, Mm -hmm. you know, how we're using the space, um, lights, electricity, stuff like that. You are more so, I mean, y'all both overlap a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you more so are in the square footage and the layout and the location. Mm -hmm those sort of things. So I've got a number of things that I want to jump into 
and ask you about, um, is there anything else that Service Realty does, you know, uh, for churches? Well, you know, lots of people can have a real estate license and can do residential real estate or commercial real estate. But our company exists to serve the church, um, and we, we say with strategic real estate solutions. Well, what is strategic real estate solutions? It's real estate solutions that help you do ministry. Um, the buildings that we, we have, that we own, uh, or that some churches lease, um, the building is not the church. The building is a tool for your church. And so our team um, uh, comes alongside the church and helps them think through the real estate decisions, whether you're thinking of expanding your current buildings, whether you're considering a relocation, whether you're going multi-site, whether you're a church that has a building that was built um, 60 years ago or maybe even longer. And now the way you do ministry, the building just, there's just some things that just don't match and don't work. So we help you think through those things. And sometimes that ends in a real estate transaction and sometimes it does not because we don't want to do a real estate transaction just for the sake of doing a transaction. We want something that's going to maximize ministry. And so that's really what our team uh, does. We're not architects. We uh, just are, uh, we have a lot of guys who've been pastors, um, guys who understand real estate. And so we try to help think through uh, all of those things, and that's it's it's a it's a blast. It's a lot of fun, and love working with pastors like yourself, where we can really uh, think through and and figure out how to maximize ministry, uh, and use the tools God's given us. Yeah, and for those who are listening and maybe they're thinking, I don't know exactly what you guys are talking about. Let me give you an example. Here's an mm-hmm. illustration. I knew a pastor. He was in the interim. He actually, I mean, after he was pastoring, he'd go around to these churches that don't have pastors, and kind of fill in for them. And uh, his thing, I mean, almost every interim he was at, he would take a, you know, a lot of these little Baptist churches have these porticos or these like little drive, you, you drive up under this little chunk of roof, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you drop off your kids or your wife or whatever. He would go into almost every interim he was in and close that thing in, glass yeah. the thing in and make sort of like this uh, sunroom. The odd thing about it, like, I mean, in some ways you might want to close a portion of that in or something to make like a larger lobby, Mm -hmm. but I never saw that actually, these were always off to the side. They ended up getting like a couple of pews in it, some stuff that nobody would ever look at. They were also all made out of glass, so they were really hot during Mm -hmm. the summer. I mean, it was just straight glass coming in. So it ended up being this like oven that he would add on to all of these churches. And there's a lot of people who are leading churches who have something like that. They have this weird, um, maybe a very small lobby or extremely small, small group rooms if they're lucky enough to have educational facilities. Or, you know, those sort of solutions are, you know, challenges. And one of the things that John will do and his team will do is go in and help you figure out what to do with that space, maybe undo some of those problems, put in new kind of things. Um, maybe do new layouts, those sort of things. Or, as John uh, mentioned there, you know, maybe the best thing is to sell off the campus or a portion of the campus and to work with developers in another region, those sort of things. Some of the exciting things um, that I've heard him talk about are working with developers. Can you share a little bit more about what some of the trends are in church real estate that you're seeing around the country and uh, particularly here at home? Yeah, I'd say there's... 
a trend away from necessarily having to, and, and I, I get careful when I say it's a trend, uh, because mm-hmm. some some churches will push back and say, well, just because others are doing it doesn't mean we should. It's exactly mm-hmm. right. Um, you need to do what um, uh, your church needs to do to reach your community. Um, but in some cases, maybe a church doesn't have to own everything they have always owned. Um, with churches moving away from maybe Sunday morning Bible fellowship and moving into home groups, maybe they don't need the classroom spaces. So there's some, some neat things happening. Um, you know, Tim Cool, uh, who is on, he's working on a project in, uh, I think it's North Carolina, where a church is selling their property and they're going to be a part of a mixed-use development um, with the YMCA next door and hotels and shopping and a total redevelopment in an area where there's high demand for that. And so their property, the footprint they own, um, is going to change, but they're going to be in a place that now, th- you know, thousand plus people are going to be coming to their location as opposed to just their church members. Um, hmm. I like the, the idea of building a well, not a temple. Most church buildings are used one day a week, sometimes two. Um, so these spaces are spent, a lot of money and time and effort is spent in designing spaces that are used very rarely. So maybe the church needs to be in a place that is used other days of the week, um, and, and then the church uses it for its purposes you know, in those small times. Right. That takes a complete <clears throat> mindset shift of how, uh, what the building means to you um, and, and what it does for you. Um, it takes time and it takes, you know, sometimes multi-site churches are going in and by leasing or um, meeting in a school, it's easy for people to think about that. It's sometimes harder for somebody in an established church to think that they may not have a pew or they may not have their seat. Um, they may not, um, it may be different than how it used to be. So, you know, developers are very, are always wanting to develop property, um, especially in growing areas. Um, there's opportunities to repurpose. Doesn't mean everybody should, but mm-hmm. does it does mean that there can be opportunities, but we're going to change how we do church a little bit. And I, I think that building a well where people come for multiple purposes during the week and then, hey, you can be here at church. It could be something as simple as, hey, there's a daycare that meets here in this facility. They use all this during the week and the church is here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and some of that is not always the church running something. Um, I encourage churches to really look at what it is we're good at, what is our mission and vision, what is it God has given us to do, and go do that really well. And then find people to partner with. Right. Um, so. And, the, and the facilities will dictate in a lot of ways the kind of ministry you can do. I've heard of situations in which there's a new pastor coming on scene and uh, their plan was to put one of those schools like you're talking about, uh-huh. maybe a two-day-a-week or a four- or five-day-a-week program into it. They, they saw this area. They saw young families around. They thought this is a way to reach out, but then they didn't realize or didn't know how to think through that the facilities themselves were were a barrier for allowing that the you know the rooms weren't the right size the way the use of the the building wouldn't be so it came in two different ways there's there's what you can do with the facilities based on you know square footage uh, maybe code those sort of things mm-hmm. depending on your city etc then there's also the other side of 
the way your church thinks through their facilities. And mm-hmm. I know a number of issues happen when there is a school on a property because is it is this, you know, the church complains about the school using the property incorrectly or, you know, vice versa. So um, those are a number of things that we need to think through. What would you say, because of this multi-use development, um, redevelopment of a church property, uh, what would you say are some of the top mistakes that churches either are making or sitting in? Maybe they didn't, you know, the church that is, as it exists today didn't make that decision, but um, it was made and they continue on in it. What are some of the top, most common ones you're seeing? So sometimes a church, <clears throat> and I run into this pretty regularly, a church says, hey, we want to have multiple uses in here, so let's have a daycare. And let's sign on a lease with XYZ Daycare. And they're going to come into our building, and they're going to bring us families. What they fail to realize is in order for that daycare to be there, um, there's new code re- code requirements that have to be brought up. Fire sprinklers, fire alarm, um, different kinds of doors, um, ingress and egress in and out of the building. Um, and so they sign a lease that pays maybe a couple thousand dollars a month. And when they first agree to that, they think that's a great idea. Then $150,000 later, after having to <laughs> fire alarm the building because a fire marshal came through because he saw there was a daycare meeting there, now the school can't pay for it. The church ha- ends up having to pay for it, and they're going to get paid back at some future date by the daycare. But the daycare doesn't have the experience nor the enrollment to be able to um, pay them back much less <laughs> and sometimes even pay the rent right so when you go into saying hey we want to do this um, many times I run into that situation and the daycare has been there and there is no written agreement mm-hmm. um, anytime you're gonna have someone in there needs to be a written agreement you need to understand it needs to never be if you have a daycare come in your building it's not based on enrollment because that's someone who has who is running a daycare and if they have 10 kids they're gonna pay you one number and if they have 30 kids or 50 kids they are gonna pay you another mm. and I've seen that <clears throat> where I've come in and a church has been struggling um, yet they're they've given a great sweetheart deal to a daycare and with the hope that oh they're gonna bring us people they're gonna bring you people Monday through Friday it's not a guarantee Really, to bring them Sunday is how much are you are you having an opportunity to reach out to those families when they are there Monday through Friday? Them. Yeah. But if you can't invest in them Monday through Friday, then they're probably not going to translate to Sunday. So the, the that's the number one thing I probably see that uh, churches run into. They say, "Hey, let's lease to a daycare. Let's mm-hmm. lease to another church." Now, before I go off into that, you have a situation where you have three churches meeting on your campus, is that right? Not counting us. Yeah, we have three others. Yeah, three others. Now, they're not all income producers for you, or big income producers for you, but that's not the point, right? Right. Right. You have them there, why? Ministerially. We're Ministerially. We're trying to plant churches, reach people. Right. And so, there's a real neat synergy on your campus when the pastor of the uh of some of the other churches, whether it's, I think, uh, there's an African-American church. There, is it a Vietnamese? Vietnamese, mm-hmm. and then Spanish-speaking. So yeah. you've got these other pastors, and y- y'all kind of do work together, right? 
Right. I mean, it's not like, hey, this is my space. We don't. I don't want to ever see you. It's not a rental thing. It's a ministry. It's ministry. And so the right. fact that you can preach at his church sometime and he can come preach at your church sometime and mm-hmm. you can cross, um, do ministry together, that right there is a unique thing. And you're not doing that to make money or to pay the bills. Sometimes churches right, get the but thing I will of, add that we, you know, just so people are clear on this, and you know sure. this well, I know, but I, we do have contracts and insurance things that we stepped through to make sure that everything was above board legally. You know, um, we we want to. It's sort of like doing business with family. You want everything written down and very clear so mm. that you can go and point back at things. And so we have all of that, including. Um, you know how they're supposed to train their child care workers the standards that they're supposed to meet have to match our standards what happens with the keys those sort of situations we we cleared all that but then from there on we function as ministries and and working Mm -hmm. together not as business partners which is what you're saying is sometimes churches get into business endeavors thinking they'll be missional but end up just kind of getting the raw end of a business deal is is what sometimes happens yeah, and sometimes um, I love what you just said about, hey, we've got agreements. It's in writing. We have certain standards of how things are going to operate. You may even have a rent check coming from them. Mm-hmm. But I've seen other situations where, hey, we want to be a um, – we want to help this church out, and we're going to lease to them, and we're going to give them a sweetheart deal. And what ends up happening is that church ends up costing – more than they're contributing to the uh, to the balance sheet, um, mm-hmm. say for example, and and this is when a church is struggling. So the the church that owns the building is barely making bills. They're having to turn off the lights and the air conditioning. Yet they have a church that's meeting in their building for five hundred dollars a month. Right, and, and it's costing a them amount of cons- using it more, having to keep the air conditioner on. The church can't, so that can hurt your church. And it doesn't really help that other church um, because... And that's not good. You know, if both churches go down, mm-hmm. that's not good for the kingdom. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you'll run into people that are, um, they resist the change of let, let's let's fix this deal. Let's make sure that this it works out for everybody, that it's at least not hurting anybody. And uh, you'll have some leadership of the, let's say the, the property owning church will say, you know, I don't want to do that because this is ministry. Well, you've got to consider the fact that if both churches go down, then that's worse than, you know, forcing another church into carrying their fair share, which Mm -hmm. is really what you're doing there. Yeah. And so what I encourage pastors and committees to consider, um, hey, if you want to have a missional mindset and you want to be a ministry outpost for more than just your church, that's awesome. But you need to set a budget. You need to have an understanding of how things are going to run. Um, <clears throat> I love that you have uh, certain standards for your children's department um, and how things work there. Uh, it needs to be very clear. And sometimes uh, churches stub their toes because there was not clarity. Mm-hmm. There was not, um, you know, in, in just there's no business to it. There's not a written agreement. There's not insurance to cover each other's additional insured. All those type of things, those are things you don't really learn in seminary, but um, they're the things that sometimes weigh pastors down. I've talked right. to many pastors who, man, just this whole thing of 
utilities and all these things are, are snowballing and I wasn't prepared for that. Or when I took this job, I was told that we had X amount of dollars for our budget and that number is not near what I was told. So mm-hmm. pastors kind of uh, sometimes get caught in this thing of, well, that's not what I was prepared for. So, you know, I, I love coming alongside a pastor and saying, okay, what, what are the real numbers? What do we need to work with, work within? And then do we want to have a tenant? Do we need to, you know, is, is a daycare something to be appropriate for us? Or is there maybe a relocation? Do we need to physically, his ministry in this facility, in this mission outpost, does it need to change? Um, are we paying for a lot of building we can't know, use? A lot of people think, they only think in the category of, we need to move this because maybe the demographics around our church has changed. And that's not mm-hmm. always the only consideration for a move. For you sure. could move. I've seen a church that was considering a move, and it was it was literally across the street. They thought they could sell off their property, move into a smaller footprint, but a better planned footprint, and also move them onto what it was going to do was two things reduce the overhead electricity wasn't going to be for all of that thousands of square feet um you know the roof you know a lot of church campuses have eight or nine roofs or five or six (laughs) roofs well those are all leaking you know and Mm -hmm. there's things and so sometimes when you buy a, a a storefront or a maybe a dollar store that went out of business that's just one roof and you plan things underneath of that that you know kind of work better Furthermore, this was this deal that this church was working on was going to increase drive-by. So they had a good campus at one point, but traffic patterns changed, and now we're using cars and not horses, and so they're moving over on the road. So this was going to increase that. So there's a number of reasons that would actually strengthen a church by getting into a smaller footprint or a better location, which brings up something that I'm curious about. How often mm-hmm. and to what effect do you see overbuilding? like building too much square footage? Uh, I mean, in the established church, I see it a lot. I see buildings that were built 40 years ago uh, mm-hmm. for a different season of ministry, um, especially, I'd say, in a lot of Baptist churches where we had big, you know, Sunday school ministries. Um, and so we have a lot of big classroom buildings, and now uh, we're doing it different. And so... You're exactly right. The upkeep of some of these buildings, some of these buildings are debt-free, meaning right. they, they don't have a mortgage payment anymore. Mm-hmm. But their their continued maintenance of those buildings are so significant that they functionally, they have a mortgage payment. <laughs> now, right. in some scenarios, you call Tim Cool, and he comes in with his his programs and, and, and their... their uh, Operation expertise mm-hmm. and expertise, and can help you figure out how to make those um, work better for you more efficiently. In some situations, that building is so vacant, is never going to get used again, and that's when churches say, "Well, maybe we should relocate because we're never going to use this hundred thousand square feet. We would be awesome in twenty thousand. Um, I've sat with pastors who say, "John, I'm ministering to air conditioners." And I want to mission minister to people, mm-hmm. but we're ministering to the broke, you know, to the fifteen air conditioning units we have, and exactly. so there there is a reason. There is in some situations you're going to call Tim. He's going to his team is going to come in and you're going to fix those things. But depending on your ministry today, the church across the street might accomplish 
what you need to accomplish. And so um, I, I would just say the building is a tool. Does the tool fit? Sometimes you need to right size to maximize your ministry. And so having 100,000 square feet um, and you may not have debt, but you may have, you may be pouring $20,000 a month into maintenance and stuff. Well, if you can not have all that and you can go into a smaller footprint that fits you and now you could free up that money to put into ministry. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I sat with a church yesterday who's sitting here saying we could take, we could, we could go into a smaller building. It's about a a fifth the size of what they got right now, mm -hmm. they could be debt free and could have a building that fits them, the future would be so bright for them. And mm -hmm. so that's something, again, I, I never say that you, there's a cookie cutter approach, there's not. Every situation is different. But if that's you, if you're sitting there saying, we have a bunch of building we don't use, or we even have land that we don't use, what if we put that into ministry? That was a situation right. you and I worked on most recently. Hey, we got mm -hmm. some land back here. We're not going to build on it. We don't need it. What if we could put those resources into our ministry? Yeah, in our situation here at Saxe's Church, we had, um, what was it, three acres or something back there that was purchased mm -hmm. decades ago, decades. And um, the plan at that time, the ministry outlook, our vision was to build a I mean, a nursing home. It was a senior adult living space. That's That was the goal. Um, that sounds so foreign, I think, to a lot of pastors now. Um, I don't know anybody. I really don't know anybody or any church that has that plan or that vision. But that was the vision here. It was from cradle to grave. They were going to have a school that went all the way up, I guess a college, you know, all those sort of things. So they bought this land. And that's just not in our vision anymore. And so what was happening for our church was continued upkeep. We had to keep it mowed. Um, of course, you have to just, we were just mowing acreage that we mm -hmm. didn't need, that we weren't. And every year we were fighting with the county on taxes because if we don't use it for ministry, we need to pay taxes on it. So we just got to the point where we thought, you know, it's better if we sell this and turn it into um, a better savings account, which will protect us for future um, issues potentially, and then also some renovations of the properties. And and I've got to say, testimonially, um, I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but my witness statement on this <laughs> is that was much more complicated than you would think. You just don't put a sign up and put that out there. We had to talk to lenders, um, like our current lien holders. We had to um, get letters that released that from the lien on the property that we already had. We had to get things approved through the city, uh, mm -hmm. certain buyers, all that sort of stuff. And thankfully for Saxe's church, John was there to help us walk through all of that and make sure that that situation went correctly and clearly. We had a number of different offers, and if it wasn't for somebody like John to kind of weigh in on what those offers um, presented for us, we tweaked the contracts as we go. Um, all of that were things that, like John said earlier, I didn't learn in seminary. It's just not something that you pick up in seminary. And for a lot of our listeners, you're at churches that don't have executive pastors or a legal team standing by. And so I would encourage you to use a service like John's, and I'm sure there are other ones out there, but to think through your facilities first ministerially, but then also use the resources that are available out there. Um, we've talked about trends. 
-hmm. We've talked about, you know, some of the negatives that that are, are facing churches. Why would, you know, some, some people might ask, I don't understand. You know, we use our facilities. We, we've got people in all of the rooms. I don't understand how I could reduce my square footage and still function as a church. Help them bridge that gap briefly. Well, I think it comes down to, um, you know, what, what, how do you use your building? What are the ministries that are most important to the life of your church today and how you're trying to reach, uh, reach people with the gospel? Um, you know, sanctuary size. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've seen churches that have had um, a 900-seat sanctuary and 70 people attending. Right. Okay. Um, we have but even classrooms. on the other side, like kind of what I'm pointing out here is on the other side, let's say you had a sanctuary of, I don't know, 600, and you mm-hmm. run 400 people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's pretty full. It feels pretty good. But if you go into a smaller square footage and you lay it out right, you may walk away with a sanctuary that only seats 300. And you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not going to work for us. It could in multiple services. And so using the facilities more than just one hour, trying to cram everybody into that one hour is very helpful, I think. You know, another example that you've, you've been here in my office and I've got mm-hmm. my office and then I've got my personal restroom that has a shower and, you know, the, the, the vanity. Then I've got this outer office. You know, I'm back in the Holy of Holies, and there's my Mm -hmm. conference room out there, my personal conference, my personal exit. Those are things that you don't really need in modern ministry. Um, You don't, well, you actually never needed them, but um, in modern ministry, you don't need them. What What your church might be dealing with is, we need more nursery space. Well, I've got a lot of square footage right here in my office that I don't need that we could convert. So that's why we made those decisions, and it's all about that layout. A lot of older churches have like a ton of hallways and they're mm-hmm. just poorly laid out, you know. So I think that well, those are the ways that bridge <clears throat> that gap. Yeah, and I would say also if your church was maybe built at one point to be the next mega church in your town, mm-hmm. but now maybe you've come in and you want to plant churches. Mm. Maybe it's right to go to remodel your sanctuary from a 600 seat sanctuary to a 400 seat sanctuary. Create some classrooms or some space. Maybe, you know, one thing, and you mentioned the guy who would go into those portico chaises and put glass in them. Mm-hmm. Um, while that probably wasn't the best uh, way to do it because it ended up creating a little microwave with the glass. Yeah. Um, but a lot of churches just need some, some space to, in between services, to have people move out of one space, going to another, mm-hmm. fellowship, connect, and a lot of churches don't have that. But I, I met with a church one time who my recommendation was, hey, it's good that you seat 800, but if you're going to be a church planning church and you're telling me that when you get to X size, you're going to plant, what if you brought your sanctuary size down, created that space for people to flow and connect before and after services? Um, and and then you're, you're going to, to multiple services and part of going to multiple services is preparing for the day that you're going to send people out. Because if you want right. to send people out through church planting, well, then you don't need to have a larger sanctuary. Right. And right. so you're building your building. I, I say ministry should dictate facility needs. Your facility should not, not dictate your ministry needs. Well, we've got 20 classrooms, so we have to have 20 Sunday school classes. 
Well, well not necessarily. Right. So really kind of go back to what is our ministry need, and then that dictates what your facility need is. And how what your mission is, you know, I just helped another church who they wanted to be a church playing church. They wanted to get rid of overhead and debt. They wanted to be out of debt. So they went into a building that was half the size of their old building. The money that they had, they now were able to sponsor a uh, apartment life couple in apartments next to their new building. So all those things go into it. That is ministry that they get to do as opposed to having debt, paying for a facility, maintaining that facility. So those are the kind of things that I would help a pastor think through a little bit. And really that's why we ask the question, hey, what's your, what's your vision? What's, your, right. what's the mission that you're trying to accomplish? Then you can go start saying uh, we should do real estate. We should never go do a real estate deal because if we build it, they will come. Right. That, that was a movie. So we're out of time. We're already yep. over our time. And John has a number of resources. John, if they want to connect more with Service Realty or you, how do they do that? I'd, I'd first start people. Just go to churchrealty.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go there, you'll see there's some resources, some of the things that we've put there. We have a church finance uh, loan evaluation calculator. Uh, if you are considering a loan or a refinance, uh, remember most churches have five-year loans. It may be amortized over 20 years, but you have a five-year call most likely. So we have a loan evaluation tool on our financing page that we can help you with. Would love to have you just come on the page, interact with us. We can reach out to you. If you're facing some of these questions that we've talked about today, um, reach out to us. We'd love to just chat with you. Um, Doesn't mean there's going to be a real estate uh, transaction. But we, you know, Josh and I, we we originally connected just chatting about what was going on in, at, at the church. It was several years before right. we did anything real estate, correct? Mm-hmm. So we, we want to be a blessing to pastors, to church leaders. Um, that's kind of the whole um, reason behind the EST conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would plug that. Please come join us. Um, you know, there's all sorts of conferences for church planters and things like that. This is going to be a great day for pastors and some of their leaders to come and just talk about the things that are facing um, the established church. And I'm really excited about that day. So that would be another place I would tell people to connect with us. Perfect. I think that's a good plug. It is going to be a full day of talking about the stuff that actually established church pastors deal with, the, the, the nuts and bolts that we are all facing constantly. And some of that, sad to say is our facilities, our utilities. It's not just our ministry and our discipleship process, although we're going to get into some of that as well, of course. So find all the information for that at estconf.com. Check, um, check out John and Service Realty, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.